Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So I've got a request. I would like for everybody to move up. I can see probably usually the first three rows, and we got enough room. We do need to pray. I'll tell you, um, we've never encountered a season of spiritual warfare like we have. Dino getting ill for a long period of time. Stephen Cox being in the accident. David Carlson is out sick today. Um, Randy was out last week. I was probably 50% last week. I'm 100% this week, so I'm, I'm kind of a little more revved up today than I was last week. But, you know, there just seems like so much that's happening, and this is the time that we as a church need to pray. Pray harder, pray more diligently, because we are about to walk into a season. And that season, as I've been telling you, is also about expectation. This message I'm going to preach for you today is one of the oddest messages I've ever, think I'm going to ever present to you. And I really struggled with this, but I know that this is the message that God has really been speaking to me to share with you. Uh, before I get into it, I, I don't know if, if you're like me or not, but I don't know if you ever have dreams, and sometimes those dreams are about for example, John and Bill were in my dream about two months ago, and John and Bill were walking me into this very large auditorium, and they were saying, I'm so excited to hear what you're about to say. And in my dream, I didn't even know why I was there, what I was going to speak about. I mean, it's not the, hey, I went to school just in my underwear dream. I knew nothing. And they're like, and we're so excited about what you're about to share, and I'm thinking, I'm speaking? I mean, I'm, I'm literally, this is my, this is my dream. I'm, I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say? God, and, and in my prayer, in my dream, I'm starting to pray, God, would you give me a word? Because I, I wasn't even prepared. You know, I mean, I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to Target or Walmart, and all of a sudden I walk in this room, and these two guys are like, this is going to be great. And I don't know if you've ever had that dream where you've skipped a class and you're showing up the very last day to take the final and you never studied for that final or if you went to school and you didn't have you couldn't get your I remember having this dream I couldn't remember my locker combination or where my locker was I mean all of these things just stressful dreams but it all came back to not feeling prepared I didn't feel prepared to speak that day, or I didn't feel prepared to take that test at the end of the semester for a class that I completely forgot about for the whole year, you know? I mean, just the stress of not being prepared. <clears throat> and preparation is important for us to understand this season. Preparation is very important for us to understand this season. I've told you that expectation is the key of what we will receive from this season that God has spoke to me. But preparation is also very important. I know this is a mighty season because as a ministry, we have never battled this hard, this much. You're even seeing it in the worship team, in our bodies. We've had so many surgeries taking place, so many people recovering. But God, but God, but God. You always have to remember, but God. And so we believe that expectation is going to be the key for this season. I want to read a passage to you. And before we start in the passage, I want to give you a little background on it. What happens is that um, Israel at this point is a divided nation. 
and King Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat is a good king, okay? He is the, the king of Judah. He's a righteous king. Best character pretty much other than the prophet. Jehoshaphat, think fat is good. Jehoshaphat's good. King Joram is over Israel. Now, King Joram is not good. In fact, he is the son of Ahab and Jezebel. And if you remember anything about Ahab and Jezebel, they were Baal worshipers. They were the one that went up against Elisha, Elijah um, and, and she threatened him and Elijah runs off. Well, they have a son and this is King Joram. Well, what happens in this story though is that um, while Ahab was king, the Moabites had to give an annual tribute to the uh, land of Israel. And it was 100,000 sheep and 100,000, um, the, the wool from 100,000 sheep. And I actually, one of the commentaries that said it, it totaled probably about $20 in today's language per sheep. And it totaled out to about a $4 million a year tribute that the Moabites would give to the land of Israel just to say, hey, just, you know, we're cool, okay? Well, what happens is when King Ahab dies, and his son, King Joram, steps up, Moabites say, we're not going to pay this anymore. So this is where we're going to kind of get into the, the story here. So if you have your Bibles, or I'm gonna, I've got the scripture up on the, the screen, it's from 2 Kings 3, and we're going to start with verses 7 through 8. I want to encourage you, if you get a chance to start reading through 2 Kings, every chapter is a great chapter. The first two chapters are about Elijah dying and the chariot of fire coming and taking him home. Um, after this uh, passage also is about the widow woman who goes to the prophet and says, my husband le died, left us in debt, and the oil flows as long as she had pots. The next chapter is about the axe head being a borrowed axe head being in the water and it floats to the top. Every chapter is just an exciting chapter in God. But we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 7 through 18 today. And this is what the word of the Lord said. He said he sent this, his, this message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now this is Joram, um, the evil king. It says, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you fight Moab with me? And Jehoshaphat answered, I'll go. I will do what you do. My troops will do what your troops do. Your horses will do what your horses do. My horses will do what your horses do. Verse 8, Joram asked, what road should we take? And Jehoshaphat answered and says, the road through the desert of Edom. So the king of Israel and the king of Judah and the king of Edom took an indirect route to Moab. Okay, sounds good. Three kings get together. They're going to go teach the Moabites a lesson, but they decide they're going to take the quickest route. After seven days, they ran out of water for the army and the animals. And the king of Israel says, now this is the most holy one of the whole group, okay? He says, oh no, the Lord has put the three of us at the mercy of the people of Moab. But Jehoshaphat asked, isn't there a prophet of the Lord whom we can ask? And one of the officials of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, the son of Sephat, is here. He used to be Elijah's assistant. Um, so Jehoshaphat said, the Lord's word is with him. So King Jehoshaphat of Judah, the king of Israel, and the king of Edom went to Elijah. Verse 13, Elijah asked the king of Israel, why did you come to me? 
Go to your father's prophets and your mother's prophets. Now I gotta stop right here because you remember Ahab and Jezebel, the big Baal worshipers, and they had a run-in with his prophet. So he's saying, you know, why are you coming to me? Why don't you go to those Baal prophets you have? Because he realized, and there's some friction going on in here. This prophet had an attitude, okay? But it says, the king of Israel answered him, says, no, 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 no. So the, the, the good king steps in and says, no, no, no. But the Lord has called the three of us in order to put us at Moab's mercy. Now, that's, that's the best one. That's the word of faith coming from the one that did have the best relationship with Christ. We're all going to die. We're going to die. It's just, you know, gloom, doom, despair. Great group to be with. So Elijah answers and says, I solemnly swear, as the Lord of armies whom I serve lives, I wouldn't even bother to look at you or notice you, you if it weren't for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. But give me someone to play some music. And while the musicians were playing, the Lord's power came over Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches, and you will not see the wind or rain, but this valley will be filled with water. You, your cattle, and other animals will drink. Verse 18, the Lord considers this an easy thing to do. In addition, he will put Moab at your mercy. I told you this was going to be an interesting passage, okay? So the theme of this passage is, if we want God's blessings, there's going to be some times that we're going to have to dig some ditches, okay? We're going to have to dig some ditches, and we need to prepare for God's blessing to overtake us. So how do the Israelites prepare? I've got three quick little points for you. Number one, obeying when it seems foolish. Obeying when it seems foolish. Now, how would you like to have been one of the generals that go out and say, okay, everybody, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start digging ditches. Now, the soldiers are hot, dry, thirsty, and tired. Okay? And they came to fight, and they're getting orders that they're going to start digging ditches. Not exactly what they thought that they were going to be receiving orders to do. In fact, now this isn't in the Bible, this is in Mark's commentary, okay? How many of you think that while they're digging these ditches, they're thinking, they're, digging, they're having us dig our own graves? I mean, wouldn't you think that? I mean, you've marched, you're about to go into battle, and all of a sudden your leader says, we're going to dig ditches in this valley. And all of a sudden, as you're trying to dig this, you're thinking, we're going to die. We're surely going to die. I haven't had water. My animal hasn't had water. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm not in a condition to fight. Nobody's in a condition to fight. We're all tired. We're digging our graves. It's interesting that when God is telling them that they need to start digging and that he's going to fill this with water... He actually didn't lead them to another place like a dried riverbed or, or some area of lake and saying, now, provision's going to come. They're in the middle of a very dry, barren valley at this point, and God is going to say, I am coming to where you are, but you've got to prepare, and what I want you to do is I want you to dig some ditches. Not just one ditch, I want you to fill your valley with ditches. See, what this is telling me is that we have to prepare the room for our blessing in all areas of our life. 
We have to prepare for God's blessing, not only in, in our relationships, in our, in our, if you're married with your spouse, uh, in your family, in your finances, in your work, in your school, everywhere you need to start digging ditches. Not just, well, I just really feel that God's going to bless me financially. This is going to be my financial year. What I'm telling you, this season is going to be so encompassing that we have to be prepared in every area of our lives. And it may be that we're going to have to start digging some ditches. You're going to get a word from God that says, I want you to dig a ditch. And you're thinking, that's odd, God. I, that's not even the direction that I feel like you're calling me to be. We're going to dig ditches. We're going to be faithful. We're going to, to dig the ditches because when we are digging the ditches, we're literally emptying ourselves out so God can come in and fill us, okay? We're getting rid of some of the things in our lives so that God will have room to move in our marriages, that God will have room to move in our finances, in our relationships. But we've got to start, through obedience, digging some ditches. Point number two is obeying when it seems difficult. Obeying God when it seems difficult. Now, this was a dry valley. So this isn't fertile, moist land. This was hard ground. And how many times has God asked you to do something in a very hard ground environment? I mean, it's easy to dig when, when it's been mulched and fertilized and it's just like what we had to put our hands in that one day. That stuff was just easy to move. But have you ever, especially in our Texas clay, have you ever taken a shovel and hit your yard? And that, it's like hitting concrete. It's not moving. I mean, I know I don't have a green thumb. I, I'd kill AstroTurf. But I mean, there's times I hit it and I'm like, I literally once, believe it or not, broke the handle of one of my shovels when I was trying to just dig. And now what happens is I went and I got a hose, I watered and I watered and I watered, and then I was able to go back and I was able to make some leeway. But when ground is hard and dry, it is not the easiest to dig into. So they're there, they're telling these soldiers that they need to dig a ditch. What do the soldiers have? What's readily available? If you're going to fight, what are you taking with you? Weapons, swords, spears. How many of y'all are thinking, I'm going to go kill some Moabites, I'm going to take a shovel with me? <laughs> That's just not one of those, hey God, I brought this along in case we ever need this, because what our expectations are are not always God's expectations. So we're there and we're getting this command, you need to dig a ditch, and all you have is a sword and a spear. You have hard ground, you're hot, you're tired, your lips are parched, you're probably sunburned, and, I'm just going a little liberal here, they're probably not in a very good mood. Have we ever been that way spiritually? We're hot, we're tired, we haven't seen God move, we're a little frustrated, and if one more Christian just walks up and says, have a blessed day, you're going to deck them. <laughs> Because it's like, God, I am dry. There's nothing more in me. And now this Yahoo of a pastor is telling me to dig a ditch in this hard ground. I don't have a shovel. I mean, I could just see somebody having that perfect meltdown. You know what I mean? It's like every situation is coming to head right then and there. And not only are we going to dig a ditch, we're going to fill the valley with ditches. Put yourself in this situation. You're thirsty. You're tired. You've been marching for seven days. And now they want you to go fight the Moabites. You don't feel like fighting anyone. You just want to survive. There's times in our lives 
when we're going through those desert times and our soul feels dry and lifeless. We haven't received any rain. But it's the times that we need to dig a ditch in our schedule and say, God, I'm clearing out some time. Here's my ditch. <laughs> I made it really big, God. This is it. I need you to fill this with your presence. I need you to fill this ditch with joy. I need you to fill this ditch with your finances, God, because I've got bills coming at the end of this month and, and the money's not in my checking. God, I, here's the ditch of, of my loneliness and, and I need you to fill this ditch, God, because it goes very deep and it's very long. You see, when we dig the ditch... We give God the opportunity to move and create a miracle. Amen. Or we can stand and complain that the ground was hard, we didn't have the right resources, we're tired, we don't feel like we should do anything, and we disobey God. Choices are taking place in this story if you're reading it or not. Have you ever said to God, I can't do that? You know that God has called you, whether it's just a minimal thing, I want you to go over and I want you to pray with that individual. I just want you to speak an encouraging word to them. I want you to give to this ministry. I know you don't have it, but give. Or you see somebody in need and, and you're thinking, I have $20 in my wallet and God says, give them that 20. And you're like, God, if I give this 20 away, I won't have any milk or cereal money and that's why my wife sent me to the store and then I got this long story and it's going to create an issue. So I'll just do my plan B and skip your plan A. Have we ever done that? I mean, honestly, I know I've said no to God before. I mean, I hope I'm not the only person in this group that can be honest, but we've all said no to God before. That's too hard. That's too much. And when we say no to God... It's sometimes because there's a part of our life that we don't want to expose anymore. A couple weeks ago, in one of the messages, I said that, and it was when I was talking about expectancy for this season, and expectancy being the key, I mentioned that complacency and contentment are the enemy of expectation. Because complacency and contentment is, God, I'm just happy the way things are. I just want 2012 to, I want 2013 to be like 2012. I, I, I don't want any change. I don't want you to ruffle my waters. I just, I just want to stay. Because when we become content and complacent, not only in our life and in our spiritual walk and, and just going through the routine of Christianity, we stop having big dreams. We stop having big dreams of what God's really wanting to do in our lives. God, in my lifetime, I'd, I'd, I'd at least like to lead a thousand people to you. God, in, in my lifetime, may, may my worship lead thousands, hundreds of thousands in a closer commitment with you. Whatever that dream is, see, what happens is when we've been going through a dry season, we set low expectations. So if 2012 was a very bad, difficult year for you, and somebody comes up and says, hey, what do you expect out of 2013? You're going to set low expectations. Why? Because we do not want to be disappointed. Why do we not want to be disappointed? Because we don't want to have to hear about the expectations that we spoke and we never saw. 
and then possibly get some comments from our friends. Hey, I thought, I thought this year was going to be the year that you were going to lead hundreds of thousands of people in worship. Or I thought that this would be the year that, that Pays was going to, to explode and there'd be a million students in Pays. What happened to that? The reason why we don't dream big and expect God to do certain things is because it comes back to a pride issue. We don't have to say, well, I, I guess I didn't hear God right. I guess this wasn't the season for that to happen. But when we start to dream and say, God, I know that all things are possible. I know that with you I can do all things. I know that you move in the hearts of kings and queens. I know that you can give me favor in the presence of this man. I know that you can go before me and prepare a way. I speak your angels to go forward and to start moving the situation. When you start declaring God's word and you start adding expectancy into that, you're setting up an atmosphere for miracles. And what happens is God loves that. He said, this is the person I I want to do this through because they have unlimited dreams. They have an expectancy of me that I can do and show up and show off in that situation. Amen. Or we can just be saying, well, you know what, God, I just want to survive. Just help me survive. Keep my family safe and don't let anything bad happen to me. That's probably one of the most selfish prayers we could ever pray. Instead of, how do I change other people's lives? How do I reflect more of you, God? How do I make a difference in this world? How can I expand your kingdom through my words, my actions, my, my thoughts? How can my prayers encourage not only others, but you as I pray them? Those are powerful prayers. Those will start shaking nations. My third point is that you have to obey completely. How completely are you obeying God? How thoroughly are we obeying God? When God says to us, I want you to dig a ditch, do we fill our valley with ditches? Or do we say, I'm going to do a mud puddle. I think mud puddles are good. Mud puddle this, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to dig it out. I can kind of patrol this, protect this for God. This is going to be my area. And what he was really asking you to do is to fill the area. Fill the area with ditches. Verse 17 told us this. But this valley will be filled with water. You, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. Skipping down to verse 22 through 24. When the Moabites got up early in the morning... As the sun was rising over the water, they saw the water from a distance, and it was red as blood. And they said, it's blood. The kings have been fighting one another and have killed each other. So now the Moabites said, let's go take their goods. All right, somebody had a good idea. Hey, let's go ponder them. I mean, I want a good new stereo and some wheels for my chariot, and let's go get the goods. I need a new belt and shield. So when the Moabites came to the Israel's camp, the Israelites attacked them and they fled from the Israelites. Israel went after the Moabites and defeated them. Do you see what the water had a twofold purpose? Not only did it provide the resources that they needed to stay alive, it provided the victory in other parts of their lives. Obeying and expectancy go hand in hand. God just didn't tell them 
how to dig or where to dig, but he told them how much to dig. And he also told them what they could expect when they dug. They said, he said, I'm going to fill this valley with water. You're going to be taken care of. Don't worry. And I love the part also. He says, you're not going to see the wind and you're not going to see the rain. What he's saying is, I'm going to do a miracle in your life and you're not going to know how I'm going to do it. Don't think you know how I'm going to do this. Because we all think, okay, I'm going to wait for the clouds to come because God's going to send this huge storm. We're going to get this great rainstorm. The ditches are going to get filled. My animals are going to be great. We're going to have this, this, this. And then we'll be refreshed and we'll be energized. We'll have Tony Robinson come in and talk to us and motivate us to go in and beat the Moabites. <laughs> That's my plan. But that's not God's plan. God won those digging to fill a place not out of requirement, but out of expectancy. See, even God told them in this passage, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. What this is telling me is God is not overwhelmed by my need. God is not overwhelmed by your need. When you pray with expectancy, he's not thinking, how am I going to do this? Hmm, we've never done that before. Never. Courtney, no one's ever prayed that, so I don't know how we're going to do this, but give me, a, give me a millennium and I'll come up with a solution, okay? <laughs> you see, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. So we're seeing this, we're expecting a blessing, we're getting prepared for it, but not only did the water quench their thirst, it brought victory. And when God fills our ditches, it does more than just answer our prayers, it blesses others. But a lot of times our prayers are just about our need. Have you ever thought about that? A lot of times our prayer need is just about our need. And what God is wanting to do is more than you. He's wanting to touch others and bring victory in other parts of your life and their life because of, of a miracle. God seldom chooses to move in the way that we expect. And I don't want you to get discouraged when you're going through a season and everything's dry and the ground is hard. And what God's telling you to do doesn't seem to make sense. See, if I had my way, Paul Green would have gotten his green card and he would have stayed here in the United States. But that's not my way. That's my way, but that's not God's way. God has a chapter. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And not only is there going to be a blessing for Paul Green, but there's going to be a blessing for us. We can't get discouraged when we're going through difficult times, when sickness comes into your life. As I said, we've had more surgeries in the last two weeks than I think we've ever had at any point. But God is still faithful. God is still strong. God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Even today, our numbers are low. And so many of the people are told us, hey, we're going to be traveling. We're out of town. We're this, this, this. And they're all good reasons. But God is calling us to a new season. And that season that we have is going to be a blessing. But it's going to be based upon the expectancy that you have for this season. That has been the key word that God has spoke to me about a season that is about to overtake us. 
I was saying to Nathan this morning during meet and greet how warm it's going to be today and how cold it's going to be tomorrow. And if you remember last week, I mentioned to you, if you watch weather, it always gets warmest before the cold front. The very first time that I met Nathan, it was during the summer, about two years ago, when we had that really long heat wave. Do you all remember? And it was like a hundred, it was like, we almost beat the record again. Do you remember? And it was like a hundred degrees day after day after day. And he just got off the plane from England and it was like, we were at Brahms. I don't know if some of the guys remember that. And I said, it was like 104 still at six o'clock at night. And I said to him, don't worry, it's not always this hot. Because I'm thinking, he's thinking, God, what did you bring me into? The valley of death here, you know? Because, I mean, it was cold and rainy at home, and he comes over here, and it's 108 degrees, or 106, or 100. Does it really matter once you're over 100? Okay. But seasons change. And a lot of times, that temperature gets the hottest right before the cool breeze comes in. And I feel as a church, we're about at that. We've been attacked not only in our bodies, we've been attacked in our finances, we've been attacked just in every area. Great people losing jobs, situations, people moving, things that are just happening. But I know that the cool breeze is going to blow because it's the season we're about to walk into. As I close, I know everybody here today. I think I know everybody here today. And normally I lead you in the sinner's prayer. But today I think I want to lead you in a different prayer before I speak the blessing. Would everybody just bow your heads, close your eyes. And I just want to take a minute for us to kind of review our lives and say, God, is there any area of my life that I need to start digging some ditches? There's been an area that I've been resistant to give over to you, to expect for you to perform a miracle in. I've given up hope. I've given up faith in this situation. And this is an area, God, that's very sensitive to me. In fact, even when you think about it, it might even cause you to cringe inside. And you might be full of hurt, full of bitterness, unforgiveness about a person, about a situation. This is the time that God is saying, dig a ditch, make room for me to move in this life, in this situation. Because as you go into this season, you're going to see his blessing, his moving in this area. When I say to you that we're about to walk into a season of blessing, and it's based on our expectation, have you truly been expecting God to do something in your life, in your ministry, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in our community, in this church? This is the time to start dreaming big. What would you like to see God do in your life in 2013? And what would you like to see God do in your ministry? Well, Pastor Mark, I don't have a ministry. I, I don't have a 501c3. I don't, you know what? God has performed a, a ministry inside of you, and it's not based upon man's standards. I had a roommate, I had six roommates in college and three of them were ministerial majors. And I remember Artie coming in one day and slamming the door because he did poorly on a test. And he looked me in the eye and he said, Mark, man doesn't make a preacher, God makes a preacher. And I said, how'd you do on your test? He goes, 
Man does not make a preacher, God makes a preacher. And I took it from that comment that he did not do well in man's standards on that test. But there was a calling on his life. There was a calling that he knew that God wanted him to perform. And it didn't matter what men around him were gauging him to be. God has a calling on your life. And no matter what somebody has said to you, no matter how belittled you've been, no matter how the enemy has fought you, this is your season to walk in that ministry. But do you have the expectancy to believe that God can do something supernatural in your lives in 2013? And if so, we need to start preparing. Because preparation goes hand in hand with expectation. For us just to expect God to move and for us to do nothing is kind of insulting to God. Can he do it? Yes. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what the Word of God says. So faith is what's going to start preparing and getting us prepared to move in an area of our lives. And only you right now know that area in your life. I'd like to pray over you real quickly. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, your love, your kindness. And we come before you, Lord, and some of us are hard, dry ground, and some of us are thirsty for so much more of you. Some of us have been walking for many, many days and we're tired. Some of us don't know the direction that we're to go in and we're hearing your voice to, to tell us to do something that doesn't seem natural for us to do in this season. But Father, help us to dig the ditch, to start digging in that dry valley so that you can move and perform a miracle in our lives. Whatever it may be, Lord God, it may be removing people from our lives that have been hindering us from growing. It may be bringing new people into our lives, God, that will help us and encourage us and strengthen us. It may be that we are to be that encourager to others. Maybe we're to wake each morning speaking faith words instead of words of doubt. Maybe we're to be, Father, that ray of sunshine in a very dark place. But Lord, I thank you that you're preparing us for our season. You're preparing us, Lord God. Expand our dreams. Expand our expectancy. Help us to dream bigger and better of you in this year than we've ever experienced before. And Father, forgive us for our limitations. Forgive us when we've limited you in word, our words or our actions or deeds or our faith. And we thank you, Father God, that you are always willing to forgive and to grow in us. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness in all areas of our life. Lord, if there's been an area that you've highlighted in our life today, an area that we've not wanted to talk about with you, thank you for bringing it to surface. And that today would be a day that we would start asking God, where do you want me to start digging so that you can move in my life, so that your miracle can come and have place in my life. So Father, I thank you for doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or even think. And we know this according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to have you stand as we speak the blessing today. Please don't forget we're going to have some cake <clears throat> for Paul in the gray room right after the service today. <clears throat> It'd be your chance to tell him how much 
We love them protect and praise protection over them. So according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. God bless.